It feels like summer's gone on forever. Summer never ends. The summer that never ends. But it has ended, and we're back to talk about... I mean, this would for us to talk about everything that's happened this summer, this episode would have to be about four hours long. Yes. But also, it could only be one. It could also only be one minute long, and we could just be like, Brexit happened still. Brexit happens still. It could also just be an hour of me screaming <laughs> into the void. But that's basically the Twitter account at this point. So I guess that's... Ten hours of Elle's frustrated cries in that's... the dark of the night. We have uh, a terrible prime minister who has made clear that he is not only awful in terms of his politics, but he's absolutely incompetent, even more so than Theresa May. And we still have a divided opposition thanks in no small part to the Liberal Democrats who refused to put their own personal hatred of Jeremy Corbyn aside for just five seconds so that they can stop No Deal. They just can't help themselves. They just can't stop. They, they, they're even ostensibly supposed to be working to stop No Deal, but they just can't stop themselves from attacking Corbyn like day in, day out. They just can't stop. It's like a reflex at this point. It's like breathing. Attacking yeah. the Labour Party and breathing are the two things the Liberal Democrats can't stop themselves from doing. Jeremy Corbyn opens his eyes in the morning and somewhere a Lib Dem just screams out like, Jeremy Corbyn did something, I know it. And Jeremy Corbyn's just like, I just want to have toast. It's pretty accurate, actually. It's pretty accurate. Jeremy Corbyn exists. Lib Dem, oh. Jeremy Corbyn has that toast, the Lib Dems. Do you know where the flour came from? It came from farmers who were underpaid. Well, they don't care about that. What what they they care about is is, um, it came from sheep who weren't... Wait. Flour doesn't come from sheep. (laughs) I don't know anything about how you make flour. As far as I'm aware, cheese comes from God. I don't... I know I like cheese. I don't don't really know where it comes from. Yeah, to make a loaf of bread, you take the sheep to the sheep mill where they grind up the sheep into flour and that's how they make bread. Well, no, it's not that. It's not that. (laughs) Uh, graphic. I, I was just thinking they make the flour from the wool. <laughs> they shear the sheep of its you wool, shear the wool, and then you you compact it, and then you make it into a loaf of bread, and people, and then the sheep out. eat it. What do you think jumpers are made of? Uh, milk. And here I was worrying about how I was going to open this episode, and uh, I think we figured it out. <laughs> the revelation that Elle doesn't really know how sheep make bread. <laughs> to return to the pigeon meme, you just they're like holding a sheep. Is this one? Is this where this, bread comes from? Is this where bread comes from? Oh dear. You are so smart as well. That's one of the funniest Look, there are, things there you've are, ever said. There are gaps in my knowledge. But the difference is I admit I have gaps in my knowledge, whereas Boris Johnson doesn't. Nice. Boris Johnson absolutely does not know where bread comes from. The only difference is he doesn't care. Nice segue into... I mean, there's so much to talk about with he who must be not be named the... Well, I saw, I've seen him being called Poundland Trump, and that honestly brings me such joy because it's very true. It would be true, but... He's not even off-brand, he's the Poundland Trump. Yes. The thing is, if he was Poundland Trump, it would be that he came from a, a different background, but he's actually posher than Trump. Well, that's enough about the United States. Yes. <laughs> let's, um, let's talk about the UK. Um, we've had some uh, not-so-fun polling in the past month. We've had... Uh, on average, in September, we've seen the Tories averaging 32%. Uh, 
of the vote in polls, Labour 25%, the Liberal Democrats 19%, the Brexit Party 13%, the SNP 4% and the Green Party 4%, which would lead to a hung parliament largely resembling the current one, with the Tories on 316 seats, Labour on 228, the SNP 50, Lib Dems 32, Brexit Party 1, Green Party 1 and others 22, which would in theory, allow the Conservatives to continue in government. And so basically, Brexit Party vote, UKIP vote, collapsing in favour of the Conservatives, but not completely. There's still a significant proportion of Brexit Party voters who, despite Boris Johnson having been PM, first in sort of in name only and then in practice for a, a month, they're still not getting behind the Tory party, which I think is a, an indicator as to if he doesn't deliver Brexit when he said he was going to deliver it, they may just disappear again. Because as recently as June, the Tory party was polling 21% of the vote and they've sucked up a huge proportion of Brexit party voters back to the Tory party. Um, But these are people who are very used now to flitting back and forth on the Mm. basis of their Brexit vote. So the idea that they're going to stay permanently no matter what Boris Johnson does, I don't think is very reliable. I'm also not completely believing the idea that Boris Johnson and Nigel Farage are going to form an electoral pact. I think that the assumption that they're going to do it is is very misguided because it assumes that these two are people who like each other and would be happy working together, and everything about the two of them shows that's not the case. You can't have that much arrogance in one room. No. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. First past the post is very, very bad for minor parties. Uh, Brexit Party would get like twice the votes of the Green Party but get the same number of seats won. That's a wild how that works out. That is wild. The best example of first past the post from my perspective is the 1983 result in England. The Liberal Democrats were less than a percentage point behind the Labour Party in England uh, but Labour won 150 more seats. Like hundreds more seats. It was That's wild. Because that, that's first past the post for you. And so people get surprised when they're like Brexit party on 20%, you give them one seat? Like, yeah, because that's probably what would happen. Even if you try and take into account the distribution of votes and try and assume it's about the same as the UKIP distribution of votes, you still get very, very few Brexit party seats because it's very hard for a new party springing up from nowhere to win seats when you have to win, you know, 40, 35% plus in multiple constituencies is really really hard the Green Party found that as well one of the things about being the Green Party is is that even if you get to like the peak Green Party vote of like 10% across the entire country like if you assume that every constituency is reasonably representative the Green Party is not going to have that much support in each constituency Mm. you're not going to be able to find many constituencies where the party is over 20% let alone where it's over 40 there's literally only one and that's Brighton Pavilion which is the seat of uh, their only MP So yes, as I said, uh, the Independent Group for Change, uh, the last few months, 0%. Again, we've had uh, June, 0%. July, 0%. August, 0%. And September thus far, also 0%. Chef's kiss. The uh, UKIP 0% last month was actually quite interesting because it's the first time since, I think, like, over a decade like more 15 years probably when UKIP's averaged zero percent um I was going to say zero percent or less but that isn't possible although Change UK may be about to prove that it is possible you never know but I guess um, the Brexit party's kind of taken over oh yeah yeah I'm not surprised that they've been on one like 
one two percent i was surprised that they've literally scooped up every single one of their voters Mm. um did you see that the new leader of the uk independence party is a man called dick brain are you is no that's not no it's a man called richard brain oh my god no his name is no way his name is dick brain that's absolutely unbelievable you can they're literally led by a dick dick brain oh that's so good good god that's unbelievable dick brain they deserve it who would name their child that he's the leader that they deserve he is the leader they deserve (laughs) speaking of brexit uh eu referendum polling averages thought i'd just touch briefly on those we have um Remain on 53% on average and uh, leave on 47%, which is the same as the month before that, and the month before that, and the month before that, and it's slightly more than the month before that when it was 52-48, the cursed ratio. I was going to say, it's not the cursed ratio. It's not the cursed ratio, but it's very, very close, and it's absurdly close to core going into any potential second referendum. Especially if if there was a second referendum, it needs to be better run than last time. <laughs> because the Remain campaign was simply appalling. It was so bad. Like, it's the good option. How do you do so bad with the good option? It's like, well, do you do you folks want to stay in a political and economic union that, although it may not be perfect, has basically kept Europe from going to war with each other for the last 60 years and keeps communities alive? No. Oh, well, I guess that can't be our fault for failing to defend it. We'll blame the voters. <sighs> 2016 really was the year of bad campaigns. We'll select Hillary Clinton. and We're not going to campaign in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania, the three states that we absolutely 100% need to win. She didn't go to Wisconsin or Michigan at all. She just arrogantly assumed she would win. Well, one of the problems as well is it was the, the what was what was like her driving idea of winning. It was that there was no goal. There was no goal about change or it was just like, it's time. It's about time. Like, I'm with her. Yes. Like... The only thing she's saying there is like, I deserve to be like president. And that doesn't mean anything to the average. That doesn't mean anything. That's worthless. That's like, honestly, the the Hamilton parallel with Aaron Burr just being like, I want to be the president because like, I want to be in the room and be powerful. Like that's on par with that. And guess what? He also lost. We may be heading into the point where we end up beating the record of the 1920s in terms of elections in the 2010s. Because we've had an election in 2017, uh, 2015, 2017, and 2019, almost certainly now. If that doesn't resolve the crisis, we may have another one in 2020. Good Lord. Um, and then, I, you know, it, we're going to end up looking like the 20s when we had an election in 1918, 1922, 1923, and 1924. Good God. Because a Tory, there was a, a liberal Tory coalition from 1918 to 1921. And then a new prime minister took over. He called an election to win his own mandate. Uh, His name was... Don't laugh. Oh, no. Andrew Bonar Law. His name was what, sorry? His name was Andrew Bonar Law, with an A. Could you repeat that surname just one more time for me? Bonar Law. Wow. His name was Andrew Bonar Law. Um, Everyone forgets him because he was prime minister for... How could they forget that name? Because he was Prime Minister for a few months and then he got ill. If anyone told me that name, I would remember it forever. Uh, Bonalore. Bonalore. With an A, Bonalore. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, uh, yeah Brenner. So, um, what kind of uh, laws were they involving? Or <laughs> you know how people are, people's surnames come from professions? I don't know, but it's just I. <laughs> sorry, some some I'm of sorry. our PMs have terrible names. God, Bonalor. And then uh, Bonalor became PM, called <laughs> an election in 1922, won it. Then he got ill. Then the next year, Baldwin became prime minister, called another election. Lost 90 seats. And then you had this situation where the Tories had 258 seats. Labour had 191. And the Liberals had 158. Oh. So no party had more than 250 seats, more or less. Jesus. And so uh, the Tories obviously couldn't govern because they just lost 90 seats. And the, king, uh, the king at the time, because it wasn't a queen, it was a king, was like, I, I can't invite them to govern. The Liberals had only had 150 seats. So they couldn't govern. So Baldwin basically said to the king invite the Labour Party to govern. Because at this point, this was like the second election where the Labour Party had been the second largest party. The King invited the Labour leader to be Prime Minister, which he was for about nine months. And it was a total disaster. Um, They weren't able to really do anything, but it did prove that Labour could be in government and not collapse the entire country within a day. And ever since then, the Labour Party and the Tory Party have been the largest parties in British politics. And it's not changed since that point. And it's basically because... Um, Baldwin called an election that he didn't need to call in the slightest and uh, helped polarise politics between uh, Labour and the Tories. Sorry, I went off on a tangent again. The next item on discussion is a general discussion. (laughs) What is going on? I mean, I feel like I'm so much less informed, even though I try my best, because I can remember three out of every ten things I read. So my breakdown, Mm. Theresa May is gone. Boris is the PM. He's not elected People are cross about that. But it's happened before with um, Gordon Brown. Mm. Um, and he's super, super Brexit man, which we knew he would be. And it's essentially come down to the media desperately trying to say Corbyn's a chicken. Even The meme is not taking off and they are trying so hard. Every time I see anything about momentum, there's like loads of comments that are like Jeremy Corbyn's face on a chicken. I'm like, it's just not funny. It's quite, it is quite, the funny part about it is watching all these Brexiteers try and make a meme, but it's just not taking off. Like, whereas um, Jacob Bree's mug, um, when he lay down on the bench, that was like a meme at light speed. Yeah. That's how you do a meme. Trying to make Corbyn a chicken, kind of hilarious, because everybody, most people know what's up anyway. Like, he's just not being an idiot. And it's it's it, it it's completely caught Boris Johnson off guard mm. because he was under the assumption there's no way the opposition can vote against the general election uh, because the fear always is if the opposition says no to having an early election they're saying no to a chance to remove the government mm. and a that might give up the chance to remove them until 2022 which it won't because Boris Johnson only has 288 MPs mm. he will call an election some point within the next few months it's going to happen anyway so that's not my concern Mm. but there's also the worry that their supporters will get upset in this instance the movement around Corbyn and around the Labour Party is one that understands the importance of strategy I definitely feel like most people our age are just they're like yeah no this is a good idea wait don't let don't let things be made worse and it's only it's only like a matter of like a few weeks between his Boris Johnson's plan of October the 14th and uh, an election mm. in November, like it's a matter of a few weeks 
during which he can do nothing. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. I don't think it's that. On the right. Twitter echo chamber, yeah, it like from what I see on the comments, I, just, I shouldn't read them, but it tends to be like you'll get um, lots of Brexiteers being like, chicken shit, like trying to goad us, like my kids. It's very funny. It feels a bit like watching an elderly relative try and use the internet. Well, that's because it probably <laughs> is. That's, it probably is. That's where <laughs> these memes are coming from. Well, I think the sad thing is about these memes about the chicken is it probably is coming from like young people, but it is coming mm. from young Tories who don't know oh, how to be yes. funny. About as funny as a wet fish. Wait, yeah. fish are all... Well, God. I'd say a wet fish is pretty funny. <laughs> a wet fish. Anyway, so yeah. Um, uh, you say you don't know much about what's going on, but I would say that's actually a pretty good explanation of what's going on. Oh, excellent. Um, yeah, we have a situation where Boris Johnson has expelled 21 of his own MPs. In the last few weeks, we've had um, Parliament stepping up to say to Boris Johnson, no, you can't suspend us. You can't send us away to sit in the corner while you go all about the country talking about how great no deal is no Deal's so good my friend donald is gonna come in and really like make everything great again and um ignore the fact that your nhs will uh change for the worse uh, it's all good he's my pal well you're doing the voice wrong it'd be sort of like you know i can't think home he's so posh it's my, 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 my 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 friend uh, boris and yeah, and uh, I mean, I mean, John Donald, uh, he, he's gonna be great stuff, and and uh, free free stuff, uh, chicken for everyone, chicken. It's gonna be great. I honestly, I feel like I have an allergy. I shrink back, oh, like in revulsion when I see him. You just, you just, you just there like you're not doing the voice. I'm like, I physically can't do, can't the, do voice. the voice. Yeah. I cannot do that voice. It would murder me from the inside out. The part of me that's a northerner is the same part of me that just can't. Impossible. Simply not done. Boris Johnson, the Tory party that started in 2017 with 317 MPs, now only has 288, uh, without a single vote having been cast. Um, there's an awful lot of chaos going on. We will almost certainly have a general election before the end of 2019. I can't see how anyone can avoid it. The circumstances that lead to it are are unclear. It's not clear when it's going to be, but it'll almost certainly be after the 31st of October because either Boris Johnson will give up and go and ask for an extension or he will resign and somebody else will take over and go and ask for the extension. It'll probably be Corbyn becoming Prime Minister and going to the EU and asking for an extension, which when it comes to making him look Remainy enough, I think is going to do a whole lot of good. Because if people are like, oh, he's not for Remain enough, it's like, well, he literally just went to the EU and stopped Brexit, mate, so I think he's pretty Remaining. I think a lot will help um, JC's image the second he's Prime Minister and the whole planet isn't on fire. So I've been thinking about this a lot recently, and, and as people listening will know, and as, and as you know, I've, like, in the past wanted very much to find some way of, of, of honouring the 2016 referendum result because I thought it was important for democracy. But we've now gotten to a point where people's status in this country is, is uncertain. People don't know whether they're going to be deported after October the 31st. People's access to medicine is like uh, is at risk. People's like access to food is at risk. And it, I, I just feel like it's probably best to just even just set aside the whole question of referendum and just revoke Article 50 completely. Um, and I know that when we talked before, you felt that a referendum was important because that was how it started. 
So I don't know what you think uh, about that now. But I remember talking to you before and you saying that you wanted to honour the referendum result and I was more like, no, <laughs> because you can't trust people necessarily to have the right opinion. You can't trust people to do the right thing, which sounds like a really weird and terrifying phrase. But if we trusted the general, like if we, tr if we followed and obeyed popular opinion all the time, I wouldn't be getting married to my girlfriend next year. Like we wouldn't be getting married next year because if you look 50 years ago, the general populace was incredibly homophobic and mm -hmm. without people not listening to that general attitude and pushing things forwards, I wouldn't be getting married next year. So I don't think you should necessarily listen to popular votes or popular ideas when it comes to the question of the safety of vulnerable populations, just to drop that in before anyone says, like, Paige is really undemocratic and wants to people to not listen to votes. No, no, no. I'm, I'm talking specifically in the case instances like this where it involves endangering vulnerable populations. When people's lives or safety is on the line, this kind of respecting a advisory vote can go out the window for all I care, because I care more about people. You're like... Aunt Sally's desire to get rid of the immigrants is not as important as my right to feel like I can walk down the street and hold my wife's hand without being attacked or um, looked at or goaded or insulted, which whenever I see Brexit uh, supporters in the street with their banners, which I have done, um, I don't feel safe. And I, I tweeted about this. I've, I've come back to Twitter very slowly. But um, I don't feel safe around Brexit supporters. I was, I was thinking this might be a debate, but I think we actually very much agree because I, I, I was thinking about the same things. And the more the more stories I saw of people telling about their own experience of what Brexit and not even just no deal Brexit, even though that is what Brexit means now in practice. Mm. Um, but Brexit in general, just and I kept on thinking, like, I can say whatever I want about democratic ideals but it doesn't matter as much as people's welfare and experiences on in, in actual real life and um, I, I, I think that the best thing to do now would just be to revoke article 50 completely and there will be a reaction to that but I'd rather deal with that reaction knowing that the people affected by Brexit are completely secure and their experiences are stable and their welfare is protected than continuing this uncertainty now. Mm. I think there's also a point um, about minority rights in democracy, yeah. which was never taken into account in the first place, which is not surprising because it was a referendum no. held by the Tories. But I, I saw an argument made recently and I thought it's very, very true that a majority doesn't have the moral right to vote to take away the rights of minority. No, it does not. And ultimately that is what has happened in the EU referendum, even if you just look at it purely technically and don't think about all of the effects that it's had on society and, and the effects on prejudice that it's had. You had a minority population, EU citizens, mm. whose rights and freedoms were dependent upon that vote in which they were not allowed to vote. And you had a narrow majority that voted to take away those people's freedoms and rights and reduce their freedoms and rights, and in some cases remove them from the country, when those people were never consulted on it, never had a vote in that, and were never protected from those decisions. And so, regardless of whether that referendum was held or not, regardless of how bad the campaign were on any side, that referendum is morally illegitimate. Yeah. I don't think it is morally legitimate 
to allow a majority to vote away the rights of minority. And so I think revoking it isn't just the least worst option anymore. I think that it is morally justified and democratically justified because democracy isn't just about winning votes. Democracy is about creating a sense of ownership over your own life. And if some people, i.e. leavers, may feel as if as a result of Brexit they have ownership of their own lives, that is not worth it if many other people in minority communities lose that sense of ownership. That's not democracy, that is simply mob rule. And so, as it turns out, we, we agree. Yeah. And so for the, uh, the final section, we talk about the oddest election slash poll of the month, which was a YouGov poll from August that asked voters, to what extent, if at all, do you know what the Northern Ireland backstop is? Now, some of you listening may know what the Northern Ireland backstop is. Uh, I, I had to look it up because it seems to be changing quite a few times recently. But at the moment, the backstop is effectively, yes, full fact described it as effectively an insurance policy to ensure that the Irish border remains open, whatever the outcome of the UK and EU's negotiations. The idea is that the UK would enter a transition period after Brexit. And until 2022, we'd still be in the single market and customs union. And at the end of that transition period, the Irish border would be kept open by the whole of the UK entering a customs territory with the EU. So there'd be no tariffs you know, trading goods between the UK and EU. And Northern Ireland alone would stay aligned to some other EU rules to keep the Northern Irish border open. So there would effectively be sort of a customs border in the Irish Sea. And that's been a source of objection for the DUP. And the fact that the UK would remain in the customs arrangement after Brexit is what's been of concern to the Tory Brexiteers because they want full freedom. But as you might conclude yourself, that backstop idea is not a bad idea. That's actually quite a good idea. But as evidenced by the fact I had to explain it, a lot of voters yeah. were well, asking. It's a about. very complicated issue, so mm. it needs a complicated explanation, really. But I do hate the use of the word freedom. Involving mm. anything with Brexit. Yeah. It's not freedom. It's not freedom. That is true. Sorry, I shouldn't use no, that word. No, I know, no. I'm not having to go at you. It's the Brexit folks use it very liberally mm. uh, regarding freedom from the EU. And I'm like, you are literally, I view it as a complete insult to all of the people we oppressed when we were the British Empire. Mm. Uh, to say that we're getting freedom. We have never been ruled by the EU, y anyone using that like has no idea what it's actually like to be ruled. Yes, it's not independence or freedom, it's separation. Yeah. And there's a difference. There is damn well a difference. We have no idea what it's actually like to be ruled by anyone. So the, the poll question was... Yes, yeah, sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. To what extent, if at all, do you know what the Northern Ireland backstop is? And it was a... Uh, 14% of all voters said, yeah, I know what it is. 44% said, I have some understanding. 23% said I don't know, 12% never heard of it, and 7% said uh, don't know. Uh, I don't know why there was a don't know option in a question that asked whether people knew about something. It seemed a bit odd to me. I would have thought saying that I don't know what it is is also a don't know answer. But um, Oh yeah, that's really weird. Yeah, that was a bit strange. I'm not sure why they did that. That's really weird. And I'm not sure why anyone answered don't know when they could have said I don't know. I don't know. know. Anyway. I mean, they want the... That's probably like the Northerners, right? They want the efficiency of one less syllable. <laughs> that's my accent, right? In a nutshell. My accent is just eating syllables in the middle of words. So don't know. It's, it's quicker than I don't know. Uh, don't yeah. know. 
That's that's yeah. That's so the, my take on it. The uh, the odd part was the remarkable, maybe not remarkable, but the gender gap between men and women in mm. terms of saying they know what the backstop is. Seven percent of women said, "I know what the backstop is," and twenty-one uh, percent of men said they knew what it was. And overall, when considering the broad, I vaguely know what it is, you have 69% of men saying they know what it is, 46% of women. Uh, what do you think explains that remarkable gap, Paige? My dear friend, it is the most simple thing. It is male arrogance. And men can't, they're impossible for um, a lot of men to admit that they don't know something. Because the number one priority for a lot of these people is uh, to be... No, a know-it-all. They will say that, I know what that is. You could literally look a cisgender man in the eyes and say, do you know what childbirth feels like? And I swear to you, there would be a lot of them would look you back and go, yeah, I do. It's quite funny how consistent this kind of thing is. Oh, yeah. There's a question about one of the Prime Minister's advisors, like, do you know who this guy is? And there are all these men saying, yeah, I know who he is. And there were basically no women. They were all saying, no, I don't know who that is. Because, of course, nobody knows who he is. Mm. And like somebody, I saw someone saying on Twitter that if you want to get an accurate answer to these questions, just look at the responses from women, because that's probably the real yeah. answer. They're a lot more honest when they don't know because they've not been, they've not got this entrenched toxic masculinity, which makes it impossible for them to admit when they don't actually know something. Guys, it's okay to not know. Yeah, we because we'd... if you admit you don't know something, you can then be told and learn. I talked to the beginning of this episode about how I don't know where flour comes from. I thought it comes from sheep. I'm sorry. Al. I don't think that sheep <laughs> make flour. That that was a joke. Um, <laughs> I, I um, flour come um, come from. Uh, stop! Uh, Just stop while you're at. <laughs> flowers. You take flowers and you ground them up, and that's how you make flour. <laughs> you should apply to the Great British Bake Off. Um, what are you doing with that sheep outside, Al? Uh, nothing. Nah. I'm getting my ingredients. Nah. I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> oh, no dear. sheep were harmed in the making of this episode. Well, that's it, I suppose. You've been listening to Stats for Lefties, a leftist take on polls and election stats. I'm your co-host, L, And I'm your co-host, Paige. You can find the podcast at soundcloud.com slash leftystats, all lowercase. And you can follow our Twitter account at twitter.com slash leftystats. It's worth saying, for clarity's sake, I do all the tweets. That's all me. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast and would like us to do more, and would also like access to some of Elle's election spreadsheets and podcast extras, please donate to our Patreon so we can fund more cool things like this. Visit patreon.com forward slash leftystats to subscribe and donate. Uh, when I'm not making terrible meme comments for this show, I work as an illustrator. And you can find my portfolio at my website, pagalini.wordpress.com. That's uh, P-A-G-A-L-I-N-I. And you can send any inquiries to pagalini at live.co.uk. Well, thank you all very much for listening to our podcast. Goodbye for now. <laughs>